Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free gift for you on how to scale your agency to multiple six and even seven figures and beyond by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself from the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. Again, that's 720-792-8036. Just text the word freedom and I'll send you the free gift on how to achieve freedom in your agency and life. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Dave Fink. Dave thinks the best kept secret in marketing is hiding where you least expect it, your mailbox. Over his 20-year career, he's generated hundreds of millions of dollars in ad revenue, powered viral sensations like Dollar Shave Club and helped launch celebrity startups for Jessica Simpson, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, and Kate Bosworth. Now he's the founder and CEO of Posty. He's out to reinvent direct mail marketing for a digital world. Dave, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So, uh, yeah, man, Mailbox, I can can, uh, maybe thank you for every time I go. It's like, you know, may, maybe like 90% of things that I, I I have to sort through to get to the bills, right? And the stuff that's still going in the mail. But I look at all of it, which I, I think is is probably a huge part of your your value prop. What what kind of was the catalyst for you in starting Posty? Yeah, well, if I can distract you from a few of your bills, you know, once in a while, I feel like there's value <laughs> there, right? So I'll, I'll take some credit for that. So, yeah, so the path to Posty was, was really organic, quite frankly. So as, as you kind of mentioned in in the, the intro, I'm not super young anymore. I've been um, you know, in in the consumer internet space in particular um since 1999. So there's that, you know, going on 25 years and lived through you know, the the early days of the internet where you know you would say, you know, things that sound so obvious now, but you know, hey, you know, marketers, you should allocate some of your traditional you know, media dollars to to the internet. It, you can speak directly to consumers. It's measurable. You can track ROI, and um, and 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 people, you know, kind of got it, but it was still this foreign foreign concept. You know, in the early days, and you know, and then we lived through the evolution of all sorts of digital channels that really provide value and and just internet use. You know, uh, continue to. Increase and so just the the, the attention that you, a span that you had of a of a consumer through you know digital channels were powerful and, and then there was like this the mobile revolution and and everybody being you know connected digitally at, at all hours of the day and um, and then there's this thing called you know Google and this thing called Facebook you know and. And they, you know, for a long time, you know, were really, you know, shiny objects and pretty darn amazing, you know, marketing technology platforms. And they certainly had the power from just consumer reach. And they made us all look really smart as marketers, right? They invested in targeting and machine learning and big data and and gave us, you know, robust sets of tools to execute and test complex marketing campaigns. 
And we fell in love. And and for a while, um, I know, you know the people that that you know that I worked with in various marketing teams, you know, all kind of for a while felt like you know Facebook was never going to go away. It was just the infinite scale and infinite efficiency. And that, you know, that proved to not be the case for a number of reasons. But the short of it is, you know, when when I look back to you know, where where we were as marketers about six years ago when we launched Posty, we were in this this place where where most of us were really, you know, overly reliant on Facebook as as our primary demand gen channels. And the marketplace was getting more saturated and ad rates were going up and users were starting to get a little bit frustrated with ads. And the ceiling of what you could do on Facebook came down and down and down. And so for us, the idea for Posty was, you know, hey, we, we need another leg of our marketing store, right? We need another channel that can behave and be managed as dynamically, as quantitatively, as measurably, as as performant as social and search. But it's got to be, it's got to let us de-risk where our marketing dollars are going. And and so for us, direct mail provided, you know, a a hope, right? It's a big scalable channel. It's data infused. There is measurement available. It was just lacking, you know, kind of technology and efficiency and some of the sophistication that had gone into digital uh, and had kind of just passed over the channel. And so for us, it was, you know, hey, there's this amazing channel, really powerful, really performant. Maybe a software layer on top of it could help marketers engage with it and bring it into their overall marketing stack. That was the really the the, the posty story. It was high, it was a reaction to over dependence on Facebook, not so much a hey, how do we make direct mail better? And it just ended up migrating into the direct mail channel as our focus. Hmm. Interesting. So so like, you know, I, I mean I assume when we talk about trackable for direct mail, we're talking about, you know, specific URLs, promo codes, QR codes, you know, things that do require somebody to like kind of follow the instructions, so to speak, in terms of how how direct mail is trackable? Or do you guys have some kind of unique technology that that does, you know, that has like a hidden camera that reads whether or not... <laughs> That's right. Every piece of mail. <laughs> don't think we haven't thought about those um, ideas. Um, but... Um, no, so so we so vanity URLs and and um, promo codes and QR codes we think about as secondary measurement vehicles because, like you just said, it it it, incre- it, it requires like com- consumer compliance and and what we had fo- have found is that the the vast majority of users engage with direct mail by receiving a piece of mail, maybe putting it on the refrigerator, or on the coffee table, or kitchen table for a while, then eventually being, you know, motivated to act and they open their laptop and they do, maybe they do a Google search, they type in the, the direct URL and they end up on, on you know, the brand's website and that, and, and they're not using their mobile phone to open, you know, a website through their QR code or typing in a vanity URL. So in that case, you would you know, lose a lot of the precision around, around targeting. But what's interesting and, and, and really beautiful about direct mail is that you know, audiences are all tied back to some level of identity, address, first, last name, right? You, you're building audiences of individuals that live at a specific household. And most advertisers these days have you know, some um, form of identity mapping in their CRM that certainly if they're a digital brand and the conversion event takes place online or on a mobile device, they're capturing that, that same level of data. And so if you know 
who you're reaching with the piece of drug mail, and you're able to see exactly which of those individuals end up within a conversion window or an attribution window coming in, transacting, generating uh, or spending you know, uh, revenue, you know, um, uh, providing a revenue generating action, then you can, you can attribute, you know, that direct mail piece to, to some portion of those actions. And so using, um, identity really as the mapping key, you're capturing a hundred percent of the transactions from individuals who you've engaged the channel. And then you can start thinking about your, yeah, everything from media mix modeling and, and, you know, lift analysis and, and some of those deeper, you know, metrics to really get at the incremental value of, of the channel. So really, really powerful channel from a measurement perspective, again, because you know the identity of those individuals you're reaching, and most brands are capturing that identity at conversion. Mm, that's cool. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. I mean, so so I I, I get the, the vibe, very B2C centric. I could imagine, I'm into cycling. I could imagine getting a cycling catalog, a flyer, uh, an offer letter, some, you know, something of like, hey, come check out our gear. And then obviously they have my address because it showed up at my house. I then go order, you know, some kit, a part, a bike, whatever. And then I'm having to put my address in there. And then that's basically going to come back and say, hey, look, this this obviously came from that direct mail piece that we sent out to this customer, you know, within a certain time window. But talk to me about, is there application here for, for B2B as well? Because I imagine, like, I, I personally just, I'm, I'm just thinking about my interaction with businesses. I mean, sometimes I put my address in, but oftentimes, you know, I'm opting in for a free resource. Maybe I'm getting on a, a consult call or a strategy call with my email address. Maybe I'm eventually putting my credit card in. I'm just thinking about a lot of the businesses that I do work with. I might put in a, a payment details, but because I'm not shipping anything, it's a service, right? Maybe I'm not putting in that physical address as often, or you know, am I thinking about this the right way, or or is it? Are we also seeing great applications on B two B? Yes, direct mail has been a really impactful media tool for B two B for 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 many years. I think. From a performance and executional perspective, it's a phenomenal channel. What, what you're getting at is 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 me, you know, measurement can be clunkier for, yeah. for sure, right? Thinking about the the you know business that has multiple you know business units and and so even just the name of the business might be unique or an individual who's you know filling out a lead form um, and that maybe not even giving their business name. They're just doing they work for business, but they're using their personal information. And so that becomes tricky, right? Less fidelity and kind of that closed loop. So, you know, if you're a B2B marketer, the, the key becomes how do you think about your funnel in, um, as a tool to incentivize the respondent to give you the information you need in order to attribute it back to a campaign or an audience? So, 
you know, if you're providing something of value, a, a, a white paper, an ebook, um, you know, maybe it's um, it, there's you know a, a sample of of your product, um, etc. You know, something of a little bit more value, where you know, it's not going to feel so out of place for to request first last name, business name at the very least, maybe business corporate address. And um, and get a high compliance of uh, on the conversion event, uh, it, it can work very well, and we we've seen that tremendously. There also, you know, we think about B two B with in, in kind of two different buckets. There's the B two big B, which is you know really like account based marketing campaigns. You're talking about very small focus groups of of audiences. You know, VP of of yeah, operations at yeah, Fortune 500 companies. Well, there are 500 of those people, right? In in that world, you know the name of that individual, and so you know you're gonna you're gonna be able to to handle attribution even in a in a less automated fashion if you needed to. Then there's the beta, you know, small beta SMB where you know maybe you're um, targeting all restaurants or you're targeting you know, any sole proprietorship. Um, you know, thinking about someone providing design or copy, you know, services could could you know, there might be millions of businesses. Those ones can become a little bit more tricky, but but you can think about what is what are the audiences that you're starting with, and if you're starting with the individual business owner, you know, you're starting with a name and a, and a physical address. Maybe you're engaging that person at their home because they're you know smaller business anyways, and you don't need to hit them at their you know store or location. And um, and then chances are the data that they're going to share with you is going to be their name and address, and 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 you can have some pretty clean measurement. So there there are always ways. You know, there are going to be certain categories, certain products, certain verticals that that um, you have to think. Yeah, you know, for your first as a marketer, think a little um, deeper on on what your you know how to close the loop. But um, but but it certainly can be done and 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 is being done. Yeah. How, how how do you work within a market? I mean, I assume just because the industry has been around a long time, it's kind of like the website market has, you know, I mean, it's slowly become a little bit more commoditized over time or, or parts of it have become more commoditized. I was just having a discussion with somebody earlier today about, you know, well, any, you know, why would anybody pay more than $10,000 for a website? And I was like, well, you know, like if you're a small business, like a micro business or whatever, and you just need like a basic website, you know, yeah, probably $10,000 or less is probably like a good benchmark. But if you're like a big business where it has a lot of custom applications and deep integrations, like, you know, the sky's the limit on, on what that could cost. But when I think of direct mail, I mean, I know we, when I've done very limited campaigns, I mean, it's very like, like it's, it's, uh, there's very competitive pricing out there. I mean, it's a very kind of commoditized industry in terms of if I have a list and I call 15 companies, you know, to price me out sending a mail merge to, you know, my list of 50,000 people or whatever, you know, I'm going to get very, you know, the pricing is going to be very similar. It's going to be like a race to the bottom. What's helped to make posties present in the market unique? Like what's the, the, the truly unique aspect? Is it the data and the attribution or the strategy? Yeah, so so it's three main buckets. We you know, we think in terms of, you know, deep product investment and and providing, you know, Industry leading solution, and in order to do that, there are you know we need to build you know technology, product, you know innovation in, in three buckets. One of them is is targeting, right? So when we're thinking about driving performance on behalf of the greater advertising set, advertiser set, you know data targeting segmentation, you know 
absolutely critical. And so, you know, Hosty's made absolutely industry-leading investment in structural data engineering, deep data partnerships with the the most credible, you know, uh, players in 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 um, predictive data, uh, machine learning, algorithmic based prediction. Those are really complicated things that um, that you know really have only been around for the better part of a decade, and and um, and very few, if any, are are, are applying um, you know at this level to the direct mail world. Second piece is measurement, right? So we're trying to simplify and clean up the way that measurement is is handled in the channel because, you know, this is a test and optimized cha- optimizable channel. You, you want to be able to come up with a hypothesis. You want to be able to put it into the world. You want to be able to capture results accurately, and then you want those results to be predictive of future performance um, as you're you know executing your next set of campaigns. And then the third part becomes execution, right? Th- this is a uh, a media channel where every single time you deploy a campaign, there's complex manufacturing operations and logistics. Um, you know, in order to print, in some cases, millions of, of pieces of mail that are distributed across the entire country and entering the U.S. Postal Service. So those three things all require technology, expertise, innovation, accuracy, and world-class execution. You kind of using that to get to you know you, I think your your broader question, which is you know, there you know, many businesses have been commoditized and direct mail has been around for a hundred years and you know on the printing side it's certainly been a bit of a, a race to the bottom you know who mm. can be more efficient with the operations to be able to print the exact same you know quality you know, you know product you know and and shave off a fraction of a penny and and for many years. You know, a lot of direct mail was optimized not based on all these, you know, kind of targeting and optimization and performance capabilities, but they kind of gave up and said, like, we're limited in what we can do from a technology perspective, so we have to optimize on cost. But Posty's changed that, right? Now you optimize, it, it, you shouldn't be focusing solely on cost. You should be focusing mm-hmm. on performance, your CPA, your return on ad spend. And it's funny that you bring this up because I just did a session um, Two or three hours ago, with our sales team, where uh, where we were talking about the difference in objection to price versus objection to to budget, and that the objection to price is, hey, your you know per unit economics is too expensive. Objection to budget is, hey, the the commitment we need to make to properly test and run this channel is bigger than we have budget allocated for. And and I think those those are two really important things, right? Like if we're, you know, if we're deep in a conversation about price, then we haven't done a good enough job selling the value proposition that we deliver because we shouldn't be compared to the pricing of any other provider in the space. The offering isn't is 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 superior. You're getting more. You're getting better. You're getting, you know, you're getting you know, you know premium. And the budget side, there's the right time and place to engage. Yeah. As a marketer with a new channel, and 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 there has to be you know a number of things that line up, and one of those is you have to have the right budget to make uh, a data you know significant you know attempt at making that channel work. So it's interesting you brought that up. Um, doesn't come up all the time, but today was, seems to be the, the relevant <laughs> day for that discussion. Yeah. So so what's like what scale does um, does doing a direct mail campaign make sense? Really depends on the scale of the business. 
you know, if you're a Fortune, you know, 100 company that has a $300 million, $500 million a year you know, marketing budget, you need to put real, and this is a, this is a new channel for you. You need to put real money out there, right? To to see incrementality, you know, in this channel, you need big enough reach. You need um, big enough test cells to be able to get a read on different audience segments and how they engage with the channel. You need what's some a test cell? So yeah, that's a great question. So in quant marketing, you think about running experiments, and the two kind of biggest buckets of experiments are either the audience that you're targeting and it, or it's the 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 creative itself and creative can be different offers or different designs or different headlines different color schemes all those things can drive performance and in your quantitative channels like those are levers that you can pull in order to to drive you know a better return on ad spend or or you know a not as good um return on ad spend and so you know, with any channel, you always have this this um, decision where you you can learn fast, and that requires putting more budget to work in a shorter period of time, or you can accept learning you know slower. You know, at the benefit of being able to allocate budget a little bit, yeah, you know, over a longer period of time. But in all cases, you want to end up at the end of a test being able to look and and have yeah you know, make a decision based on sound mathematics. So within each test cell, you know, you need a big enough audience so that when you get you know results back from that test, the statistics behind it are stable. It's not it's not random, and 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 we can certainly go and do a whole session just on you know statistical significance and I, I, it's a topic I love and geek out over, but probably a bit broad for for the amount of time we have left. But that you know to get to like a range of answers. The, the type of clients that we work with range from meaningful you know, digital native challenger brands, um, anywhere in the you know, 20 to 50, even $100 million a year run rate space, all the way up to multi-billion dollar you know, Fortune 50 companies. The typical budgets that they're bringing to direct mail um, in the early days you know, are in the couple hundred thousand dollar range, all the way up to the seven-figure range. And we have clients that have... you know solid six figure budgets annually we have clients that have you know multi multi seven figure budget and it's a channel that that supports and warrants those type of uh, that that level of scale that type of um, financial commitment if you have it yeah yeah it's kind of my 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 intuition was leaning towards you know being able to make it worthwhile for a brand from a data and attribution standpoint i assume you need very large you know large groups of people right um yeah, and that's not to say that there aren't use cases um, that you could run um, in earlier days um, as you kind of take a, a walk, you know, before you run approach. But it's yeah, you know, th- there was a day fifteen a time fifteen years ago where I remember like you could test ten thousand dollars on Facebook or on search, and you could walk away with a pretty good read on if there was something there. I think nowadays brands are going into both those channels with much bigger budgets as well, knowing it's it's harder and takes some time to test and optimize um, campaigns until you they start performing. You know, DM just the cost you know to reach an, an individual when you're paying for a stamp and postage and and all that, and gas prices have raised and whatnot. Um, just create kind of a economic. You know, need for a reasonable budget. Um, it's it's a hard one to test at. Yeah, you know, for a few thousand dollars here or there. 
Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. Do, uh, and this is this is a little bit of my, uh, my uh, ignorance about the direct mail channel. Do people, like, is there an unsubscribe feature or, or is it pretty much like a one-way you know, channel. Cause I know when, you know, we send large, I mean, even people that opt into our list, whatever, you know, they might like reply back with like, you know, stop, take me off the list <laughs> or that. Right. But like direct mail, it's like, Hey, it's like the amount of effort it takes to do that is, uh, is a little bit more substantial. It's like, you have to like take a little bit more action than just click a button. Yeah. So look, you know, we're in a world where, where consumer privacy is, is valued quite a bit and consumers have gotten super savvy about, how their personal information and data is being used and compiled. And there are good actors and for the most part. And, and then there are some, yeah, not as good actors. There are also a number of state privacy regulations that have come into effect over the last couple of years that are kind of driving more thoughtful and mindful behavior around um, yeah, how you treat consumers and how you, you know, leverage their consumer data. So the, the, the regulations um, can be different depending on the specific media channel. But regardless of regulation, you know, you know, we support um, both you know, kind of three levels of opt-out um, that we think are really important. Consumers, you know, uh, at this point, you know, should have the right to be able to, you know, opt out of communication. And so um, Posty makes it you know, very, very simple to opt out globally from, you know, any campaigns that we execute on behalf of any advertisers. Each advertiser is, um, is required to keep their own uh, suppression files. Um, and th- that data flows right into their Posty accounts. So um, brand-specific campaigns get suppressed with brand-specific um, suppression files. And then each of the data providers that we work with manages their own suppression and opt-out. And so because we're you know, integrated in real time with the data providers as consumers opt out with a, you know, one or, or another data provider, those audiences are getting um, adjusted as well and, and suppression is getting added to that. So yes, 100%, there is um, mechanisms for consumers to take control over um, communications they receive through direct mail. And we, from day one, have been in support of it and try and simplify that experience as well. Um, so it's not a bunch of hoops that that someone needs to jump through. Cool. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of... Uh, it sounds like there's a huge blue ocean in this market. And uh, it's good there's companies like Posty out there trying to make a difference in, uh, in the space. Do you have some time, Dave, to stick around for our lightning round? Sure. What is the best advice you've ever received? Well, that's a broad question, um, but in the in the business world, um, specifically in the entrepreneurial world, you know the, the the piece of advice that I keep coming back to day and day on, um, day and day again is make sure that you're hiring people smarter and more capable than you who are filling in around your weaknesses, and that's something that that I didn't get early in my career. I think I was probably yeah you know, insecure and. 
and felt I needed to be, you know, I'm the manager. I need to be the, the one leading. And now my goal is to, to, you know, make sure that I'm the, the least smart individual in any room. If I do that, I've done a good job hiring. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I think um, a bit of naivete. I, I have this belief that some of the best companies are built by people who did not you know, come from domain expertise. When you come from domain expertise and you've been working in the industry, you kind of know all the reasons why something might not work versus having that, that childlike you know, you know, wonder of like, what if? And so I've always tried to carry a little bit of, of naivety and kind of youthfulness in, in the way I approach problem solving. And, and I think that um, you know, has suited me well in, in entrepreneurship. Can you share an internet tool, resource, or app that you use that our listeners would find valuable? I, I think this is uh, probably so generic, but uh, I, I'm all for efficiency and communication, especially in a remote, you know, post-COVID world. Slack is, I think, incredibly, an incredibly powerful tool that can also be um, integrated with lots of fun add-ons to to add personality and in, in your communication with with your internal team. Um, I think that's one that I certainly couldn't live without right now. And what book would you recommend and why? Uh, if you saw my bookshelf right now, we could be here for hours. But um, the <laughs> one that I'll recommend that I, that I just absolutely love is, I believe it's called um, Thinking Slow and Fast. It may be Thinking Fast and Slow. I, I, I get it mixed up sometimes. By Daniel Kenneman, who's a, a Nobel Prize winning behavioral economist, economic, uh, economist, sorry, behavioral economist. And um, I just love both social psychology and behavioral um, economy. It, it's a constant you know, reminder that the human brain is a complex machine. And it's not everything that we respond to is driven by free choice. Sometimes it's done by external stimuli and how our brain and emotions um, respond. I just I just find it fascinating. I think it, it, there's a lot of both life and interpersonal lessons in the study. And um, it certainly applies to business um, quite a bit as well. I think it's a fun read. Very nice. Well, we will link out to Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow on our show notes page at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. We'll also throw a link out there to Slack. I'm sure we're already all on it, but what's <laughs> one more link for uh, for that mothership? Um, so yeah, check that out, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. David, how can our folks find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with, with any information on Posty or just kind of deeper direct mail insights, we work hard publishing great content on our website, which is posty.com, P-O-S-T-I-E.com. And then my platform of, of choice is, is LinkedIn. Um, you, can, yeah, you can just do a search for, for Dave Fink at Posty. You'll find me and um, LinkedIn Messenger Messenger is actually a really easy um, tool to communicate um, and um, best way to reach me. Awesome. We, we will link out to posty.com as well as your blog. That's again, P-O-S-T-I-E.com. And we'll link out to your LinkedIn profile. If you're looking to get more info about Posty, check out their website or check out Dave on LinkedIn. We'll put all those resources in one nice, neat package at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're listening to this week of, just click on Dave's photo and we'll have all that stuff in one place. Dave, thanks so much for stopping by the program. Thanks for having me. It's a great conversation.
And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want this free gift all about how to scale to six and seven figures and beyond in your agency, just text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. That's the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.